It's the 17th of September, 2016, and this is episode 308. On today's special joint episode of Let's Talk Bitcoin and the Bitcoin.com podcast, I'm here with LTB host Stephanie Murphy. Hello. And host of the Bitcoin.com podcast, Zach Doty. Hey, Adam. Hey, Zach. Thanks for joining us today. Great to be here. So, Andreas recently introduced you and I at a conference we were attending, and the only thing that we talked about, I think, after we met was OneCoin, right? Which is backing up a little bit. We talk about scams sometimes on Let's Talk Bitcoin, and we talk about projects that might be scams, and we sort of look at them, but it's really hard to tell from the outside looking in with most of these things because there's this kind of plausible deniability about them. And it was striking to me as I, as I, uh, after we had spoken about OneCoin, I went home and I watched some talks that, you know, that they had given at events, at OneCoin events that had hundreds of people attending them. And we're just saying all these things that as a person who has a basic understanding of what cryptocurrency is, I know is complete garbage. And so it, it seemed very staged, but it's, it set me back, right? Because I'm used to scams being like these little kind of fringy things that kind of exist on the on the edges, whereas this seems like it's really right up front. So you and I talked during that day about uh, doing a joint episode, and, and that's pretty much what we're doing today. It sounds like you've had much closer experiences with the OneCoin community and kind of learned a bit more about it than Stephanie and I have had an opportunity to do. So we kind of wanted to bring you on and pick your brain on what the heck is going on with OneCoin. What is OneCoin? So OneCoin is a Ponzi scam claiming to be a cryptocurrency. And they have a large following uh, in the area where I'm at up here in Idaho. And I happened to meet some of the people that got in really early and have signed up a lot of people in this Ponzi scam. Um, I know somebody who's made several million dollars, but he's scammed thousands of people out of out of their money. In fact, he was just bragging on Facebook the other day that he had over 100,000 people under him uh, with his team, whatever that means. So, you know, this is a scam that I would like to see exposed so people don't get parted with their money uh, unjustly. And, you know, there's a lot of red flags with OneCoin and it's gaining a lot of traction. And I'm afraid that a lot of people don't know enough to kind of call it out for a scam. Um, and people are even associating it with Bitcoin. In fact, the other day I was wearing my Bitcoin t-shirt at a local coffee shop and somebody said, so who's your upline? And I happen to know about OneCoin. So I said, I think you're talking about OneCoin, not Bitcoin. And he said, oh, yes, what's the difference? And it's important for people to recognize that there are nothing, nothing even similar about these. One is a cryptocurrency. One is a Ponzi scam claiming to be a cryptocurrency. And they're not, you know, if, if they're a cryptocurrency, what port do they run on? How many nodes do they have? What's the blockchain size? These are the questions that you would have for a cryptocurrency. You know, do you have your private keys? Is it open source? You know, I hope it is, right? Because a good cryptocurrency is open source. Bitcoin is. There's none of the earmarks of a cryptocurrency and there's all of the earmarks of a Ponzi scam here. Yeah, I like that you started off the story with what's your upline, right? That's a red flag right there. I assume they mean the the chain of people that recruited you into the the organization. Is that what upline even means? Yeah, in Bitcoin, there's no such thing. And I right. quickly explained that, you know, Bitcoin does not pay you to bring your friends. I mean, we're all excited about Bitcoin because it's a disruptive technology. It's not, let me get all my friends into this and I'll make a lot of money. And that's what OneCoin is. It's a very scammy, pushy, MLM type Ponzi. It's a straight up Ponzi where they're actually redistributing money from the people that are joining to pay out the people that are already in. 
Right. So I think before we start, maybe we should just clarify some terms here. And it's always really popular when we talk about like exposing scams, because I mean, who doesn't love a good story like this? I know we want to sort of warn people and protect people, but it's always fascinating to analyze, especially after the fact, what happened with a scam and what were the red flags so that we can look for them in the future. A Ponzi comes from the history was Charles Ponzi was this guy who started the original Ponzi scheme, where it basically depends on recruiting new people in, which provide the base of the pyramid. And then the money goes up to the top. And in order for the people at the bottom to make money, they have to bring more people in. Multi-level marketing is something that's Similar to that kind of setup, except that usually with multi-level marketing, it involves selling a product, but you have to buy the product upfront in order to then be able to sell it. And then you make extra commissions by bringing more people in to the bottom levels of the MLM. A cult is another term we should probably introduce here. I don't know if OneCoin has elements of a cult, but anytime I hear jargon like upline, immediately red flags go off for sort of cultish behavior. Cults have a couple different definitions, but usually it involves a charismatic leader at the top who is essentially brainwashing people to think in the way that the leader wants them to think and to believe certain things and then to maybe go out and take certain actions that are in line with the cult. And it's really a warped sense of reality. It's really a a complete trust and faith in a charismatic figure who usually does not merit that kind of trust because they're actually scamming people. And so I think it's important just to introduce those terms. I don't know if you think OneCoin was, had elements of, of cultishness, but um, you could certainly say it's multi-level marketing and you could certainly say, call it a scam. Yeah, in fact, that's one of the things that does jump out at me is how a lot of these OneCoin proponents uh, speak of Ruja, the founder, in some praising way, like she's the smartest person they've ever met. And I've, I've been told that by OneCoin proponents. So yeah, I think it does have some cultish elements there. Uh, wow. <laughs> I, I've heard some really bizarre claims about Ruja. They say that she's in the top 1% because she was accepted by uh, a certain law academy or, or something. But I've heard some some stuff about that too. And the first thing I wondered is, do you think she's just sort of a a figurehead uh, like a pretty face who has a good resume or whatever? Or do you think she was like the mastermind behind it? I guess we should start off with the history of it, but uh, and then we can get maybe get into that question. Just to play devil's advocate for a second here. <laughs> you know, uh, Bitcoin and Bitcoiners are sometimes accused of cultish behavior and sometimes accused of having Bitcoin be mid-level marketing. So I think it's probably worth uh, mentioning, you know, if that's true or not. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a great that's a great question to bring up, Adam. Yeah, I mean like so you you look at the price of Bitcoin, right? And the price of Bitcoin, there's nothing inherently behind it. It's just there is kind of an MLM-ish quality to that in that you need somebody else who is willing to pay the price that you are, you know, demanding in order to find it. It's not like there's a redeemer out there who's going to value your Bitcoin at exactly the value that is printed on your Bitcoin. So, I mean, how is that different from MLM? 
Yeah, you don't make commissions from recruiting people into Bitcoin. You don't make then make money when they recruit people into Bitcoin. <laughs> and it's not it's not a closed system like that. Also, within Bitcoin, there's a huge diversity of opinions and thoughts. I mean, just look at any of the debates that have gone on over Bitcoin improvement proposals or the uh, the block size or anything like that. There's a lot of disagreement and there's a lot of conflict within the Bitcoin community, if you could even call it that. There is no one charismatic leader either. There's definitely luminaries in Bitcoin and people who are sort of Bitcoin celebrities or people who who have been um, promoting it from the very beginning. Even Roger Veer has the nickname Bitcoin Jesus because he was kind of like an evangelist for it. But that's a joke because nobody is really like looking at Roger and saying, I'm going to do whatever he says. You know, he's not like the president of Bitcoin or anything like that. And he'll freely say that in interviews. I couldn't even think of one person or a handful of people that I would say, that I would say you could point to as like the charismatic figures of Bitcoin. What about Satoshi? Satoshi is not really a person, though. A cult leader wants to be known as who they are. They have an identity. Satoshi could be one person. It could be more than one person. Certainly people do, I think, treat Satoshi has a little bit of this mystique as like maybe being a great leader. But if you look at what Satoshi wrote at the beginning, Satoshi didn't want to be thought of like that. Satoshi didn't want the limelight and didn't want people to do what Satoshi said because they were Satoshi. They just put this technology out there, but they didn't want to then control its destiny. So I think that's about as far away as you can get from sort of the charismatic leader of a cult who wants people to do their bidding. The reason why the Bitcoin price is different or why, you know, Bitcoin is different than something like OneCoin, which actually has an MLM structure in it, is that with Bitcoin, you might be relying on other people to buy the thing from you, but they have the choice of whether or not they buy the thing from you, right? You don't benefit when you bring them in and then they buy stuff from other stuff or, or, or do kind of other things, right? It's a direct one-to-one relationship as opposed to involving the structure at kind of a fundamental level. Just like the market for gold, which is a peer-to-peer market based on supply and demand, which gets into one of the the big differences between Bitcoin and OneCoin is you have a fixed supply, uh, similar to gold, which is why a lot of us are here, because we value that characteristic of good money, which is limited, fixed quantity. And OneCoin definitely does not have that, uh, looking at what they just did, going to 120 billion coins. Uh, let's see, they, they currently say that they have a sub- available supply of 800 million one coins, and they're increasing eight, from 800 million to 120 billion. So over 100x increase in supply. Well, that does sound ridiculous. So now that we kind of have that basic context about kind of where we are as far as relative to Bitcoin and as far as relative to kind of these other terms, why don't you tell the story, you know, uh, please? Yeah. So I first heard about OneCoin probably a year ago. And uh, that was somebody who said, hey, Zach, I know you're a local expert in Bitcoin. Can you come tell me if this thing is legitimate or not? And so I said, sure. I rode along to a private meeting with a couple people. And there were red flags from day one. I told them, don't touch this with a 10-foot pole. I said, look for an opportunity to short it if there's any kind of a free market trading it. Of course, there isn't a free market trading it. And that's another important point is there is no way to go and sell all your one coins 
on a free market right now. In fact, there are daily limits on how many coins you can sell. I think it's $100 per day. And uh, that's a red flag, right? That's controlled supply. The only way that you can have a lot of coins and have some semblance of a value is to control people's ability to liquidate their position um, and force people to hold. It's like Chinese stock market. Uh, you know, We will put you in jail if you short the market. Um, well, you can't short one coin and you can't sell it. If you could short it, I would because it doesn't have the market cap they claim that it has. Uh, and this, we should bring up their claim here because their claim is that one coins currently have a value of $7.83 as, as of the time of this recording, which gives them a market cap of $6.3 billion according to their claims. Which is completely ridiculous. I mean, it would be on coinmarketcap.com. It would be all over the crypto world and all over the exchanges. And every exchange would want to trade it if it honestly had that market cap. Ethereum got up to a market cap around a billion, and all of a sudden, all the exchanges were adding it because it's very valuable for them to add any currency with that much trading interest. Yeah, I'm looking at coinmarketcap.com, right? So coinmarketcap.com shows Bitcoin at 9.128 billion market cap, Ethereum at just below a billion now. And then I look at xcoinx.com, and it has basically the same interface here as what uh, CoinMarketCap has, but with one notable addition of one coin in the number two place between Bitcoin and Ethereum with a market cap of almost, yeah, like you said, $6.5 billion. <laughs> like, why do people buy this? So this is a straight out fraud. Xcoinx.com, probably set up by one coin company itself. Um, in fact, the website is a joke. If you go to their FAQ page, it currently says that it's coming soon. Uh, but if you take the URL to their FAQ page and type it in archive.is, uh, you'll find a copy from a month ago. And we were laughing about this at the conference that we met at, Adam and I. If you look at their old FAQ, they actually just copied and pasted the FAQ from the uh, Bitstamp hack FAQ. And so if you read the questions, it's all about the Bitstamp hack. And they had some brainless person building the site that didn't even understand you know, what FAQ would be appropriate for a site like this and just completely irrelevant to anything about the website. Uh, and this is, this, this is the shoddiness that you see in this. Wow. So that's pretty, that's pretty blatant. I would say maybe it's not even shoddiness. Maybe it's like, you know how there are some scammers who like Nigerian email scams, they'll make their wording like just completely out of just completely unbelievable, right? So that only the most gullible people fall for it, basically. Absolutely. The reason that these scammers are choosing cryptocurrency as their platform for the scam is because it's so intricate and complicated that only somebody with uh, some advanced technical understanding is able to discern you know, whether something is legitimate or not. And so they're going into a completely new industry that takes a long time somebody new. If you, you just try to go up to somebody and, and explain you know, how Bitcoin works, it's so different from any other technology. To try to explain a distributed ledgering system like Bitcoin takes a fair amount of time, especially if somebody doesn't have a technical background. So they're using the complexity of Bitcoin to mask their crime scene. So Zach, I have to sort of clarify something here. You said at the beginning, when you started to see red flags about OneCoin, you were saying to your friend who asked you if it was legit, look for opportunities to short it. Were you saying that you would try to make some money off of it, even if you knew it was a scam by shorting it? Or were you saying, look for those as a test to see if it's really legit? Both. Um, because 
the obvious red flag is you cannot trade it on a free market. So they can't claim a market cap if there isn't a market. And that's what they're doing is they're claiming a market cap when there is no market. So why even why even get involved by shorting it? Why not just completely distance yourself from it? Do you think it's it's ethical to try to make money off of something that you know is a scam? Well, I I think that it's ethical to short something that you think is overvalued. I think that it's most ethical to warn everybody that a scam is a scam to help protect people. In fact, that's a large part of why we're doing this episode. In fact, I think that's the the reason for this episode is to protect people who don't have the technical skills to discern one coin is a scam and to help that out so that people save their money. Because when people lose their life savings, which is going to happen to a lot of people in one coin, that's really hard. People commit suicide over that kind of a thing. And I don't want that to happen, but I'm afraid that one coin is going to ruin a lot of lives. And I'd like to see that stopped. Yeah. And you could certainly make the argument that shorting something that is overvalued, as you said, I really like that you said that because what you're doing is helping the market do its work to to correct that overvaluation. And as long as you spread the word and say, hey, this is a scam, I don't know. To me, I think I would probably tend to lean more towards just not getting involved. I mean, if everyone shorts it and it goes to zero, right, that's going to keep more people from getting involved. The shorters, in, in, in effect, protect the market by exposing things that are overvalued. And that's the balance. And it is a, a you know a risk anytime you get into a trade. Uh, and I de- definitely wouldn't you know recommend uh, novices to go out and look for a way to short it. You need to be a sophisticated investor who's you know able to um, you know actually make a judgment call for yourself as to whether this is uh, indeed overvalued. But of course, right now it looks like a complete scam. <laughs> sure. And just to mention that um, none of us are experts on this topic. We're just kind of looking at it from the outside, looking in, and uh, we're not giving any advice or anything like that, whether investment advice or other. Just uh, again kind of about uh, information and just kind of an opportunity to talk about this. So I think one of the things that's, uh, you know, you mentioned we're doing this episode to kind of get the word out. And I think that's true, but I kind of question how effective it's going to be because I think that it's that core problem that that you identified, Stephanie. It's that the types of people who they're attempting to reach with something like OneCoin probably have never engaged with Bitcoin. And their exposure to it would have been, you know, seeing that the price had gone up when there were, you know, news stories talking about the sudden increases in price. And that seems to really be the the most important thing. If thinking about it, like if you were going to create a fake cryptocurrency and try to rope people in by telling them they could get rich, you just take that part about it. You just take the you're going to get rich part about it, and then you'd hand wave away everything else. And it's it's actually not that much more complicated than any scam. And you say, look, it happened with Bitcoin. And they say, oh, yeah, I remember that a couple years ago. Yeah. So the founder of, of OneCoin actually had another cryptocurrency called Bitcoin that they had started before OneCoin. And again, the claim with Bitcoin was, we'll be the next Bitcoin. And then, of course, that failed. And so they moved on and started uh, OneCoin. Mm. So, yeah, there have been a lot of people involved. Allegedly, you know, there's been people involved with OneCoin who have been part of other scams in the past. That's another red flag, right, is looking into the background of the people who are involved. And even if they have no background that you can find, that's also a red flag, right? They should have a positive track record of being trustworthy as opposed to either nothing or scams in their past. But you said, Zach, you saw red flags immediately from the beginning. Tell us about some of the other red flags that you saw. So there's no wallet. There's no private key. So I, I started to inquire exactly what are you buying when you're buying these packages that they're selling. 
Mm-hmm. That's a sensible question to ask. <laughs> they told me you're buying an education package, which gives you mining rights uh, or basically mining credits. Um, so again, all of these technical terms are being used out of context as marketing terms. Mining is a technical term. For most people, if you just said you're, you're a Bitcoin miner, they don't know what that means. They don't know what, if you use a pick and shovel or if you use your home laptop or if you use an ASIC chip. And so they're using all this technical jargon to kind of overwhelm people that don't understand. Uh, so you're, bu- you're buying an education package is what they said. And so I started to ask them these questions. And of course, their education package isn't get very good because they had bought this education package and they knew nothing about how cryptocurrencies work. And that's what it was claiming to be is a cryptocurrency education package. So were you like at a seminar for this? Like how do they, how were you asking these questions? So actually I had a couple different encounters. The first one, again, about, I don't know, eight months to a year ago. And then uh, more recently, somebody that was way at the top of this came into town. And again, somebody called me and they said, Hey, I'm going to, to meet these big players in the OneCoin community, can you come along and help me, you know, basically figure out if this is legitimate or not? I can, I, and I told them, I know that it's not legitimate, but I'll still come along because I'd like to meet these people and put some questions in front of them. And actually, one of the guys there admitted that it was a Ponzi scheme. One of the guys that was way up and, and he said, but still join because you'll make a lot of money. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> but they but they still knew nothing about how cryptocurrency worked. They didn't understand they should control their own private keys. They didn't understand they should have a wallet. Right. And also, once you get embedded in an organization like that, like once you're in, you are so emotionally and financially invested that you can't really understand. Like there's this quote of trying to get someone to understand something when their livelihood depends on them not understanding it is like the hardest thing in the world. And that's so true with um, multi-level marketing and these kinds of things is that once people are in, they're in. They've been converted essentially into someone who's just going to do whatever they need to do to keep the lie going and to recruit new people because they're so invested in it. You know, there's such an emotional cost to realizing that you've been sucked into one of these things. It's embarrassing. You have to deal with the uncomfortable feeling of of feeling like you got fooled. Perhaps you realize that you have a loss of money or you've lost time or just emotional energy. Nobody wants to feel that way. And so a lot of times the more comfortable thing psychologically is to is to just keep on going like nothing went wrong, right? One of the claims that OneCoin makes is that their blockchain is audited by a third party, uh, whatever that means. Now, if you know how Bitcoin works, you know that the blockchain is a ledger that is self-auditing through the code. It's audited by all of the nodes on the network. And that's completely unlike OneCoin, which claims to have some outside company audit. And if you actually actually ask them what that audit means, all they're saying is that the the audit is that the transactions that, that show up in your wallet telling you you have OneCoins are also somehow... Uh, recorded on a blockchain somewhere. Uh, You don't know where that blockchain is. It's definitely not a blockchain like Bitcoin's, which you can connect to with any full node client. And so the audit is really misleading. (laughs) It's a blockchain. I don't think that word means what you think it means, right? (laughs) Right, right. And so it's really hard to explain this in a way that somebody who doesn't understand blockchains can, can see how it's a scam because these terms are so technical. Yeah. And that's the problem because now blockchain 
has become a buzzword, <laughs> right? It's almost like we talked about this on the show before, but it's almost like nobody even wants to say Bitcoin anymore. It's all blockchain, blockchain. So a lot of people have heard that word. They don't really know what it means, but they know it sounds exciting and new and everybody's saying it. So if somebody says blockchain, that that's a good sign, right? Yeah, so maybe we should start using additional phrases. Uh, it's a distributed ledger system with proof of work, importantly. Now, they claim to have a proof of work system, but they control all the work. Uh, so it's still centralized. But they they claim you're actually buying hash power or getting hash power credits with these education packages. And then they claim that they put that hash power to work for you. They mine on your behalf, just like a cloud mining service. And you get the coins as they mine them. Of course, that's all behind the scenes. Yeah. And so you have to trust them to do that, to actually give you the, the credit that you're supposedly paying for. But I mean, I could see how to somebody who's heard about cloud mining, that would kind of make sense to them. It's like, oh, yeah, that's how people mine Bitcoin. You buy shares in a cloud mining firm. Right. And so, yeah, it becomes a problem when people know a little bit or have been introduced to some of these terms, but really know enough to ask the right questions to expose it for what it is. Exactly. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that because cloud mining, ironically, is something else that the same people I know who are investing in OneCoin. And I know people that have invested quite a lot against better advice. And I actually have a lot of friends, local community who, without even mentioning it, I just, well, they invested without talking to me about it. And they knew that I'm into Bitcoin, but you know, they just assumed that this was like Bitcoin. And so it was good because um, they they knew that Bitcoin was something that I endorsed. And the association is, again, how these people are perpetuating their scam is through this association. By exploiting people's personal relationships and people's trust yeah, and they're with one another. By exploiting people's trust, relationships, and ignorance of how cryptocurrency works. That's in a nutshell what OneCoin is. Absolutely. So one of the kind of interesting things about cryptocurrency is the idea that you can have an address, right? You can have a public key that acts as your identity. And at the beginning, we used to think about these things as anonymous. And then later, we came to kind of appreciate the difference between anonymous and pseudonymous, whereas pseudonymous, uh, essentially, if, if I you know, am dealing with someone anonymously, then if we deal with each other the next day, we won't be able to recognize each other because there's no identity associated with it. Whereas pseudonymous means that you do have an identity, but it might not necessarily be your true you know, base level identity, right? So this might be Adam, right? This might represent Adam, but it might not tie back to Adam Levine, or it might be, you know, something else entirely that isn't my name at all. So Bitcoin gives you the opportunity to interact with people in that way. And you can apply identification layers on top of it, right? You can say, this is my address, this is who I am, and you can associate those two things together. But one of the things that jumped out at me about OneCoin is that they view basically the entire chain, you know, chain, even though it sounds like there is no chain, as one of the important things being KYC. One of the important things being having identity associated with every person who's on the network. And maybe this is because they're not using addresses. It struck me as a really profound difference. And the reason why they say they're doing it is because, well, governments will never accept this in kind of broad sense, you know, without that sort of compliance. But again, it just, it jumped out at me as something that's different. Why do you think that that's, uh, if you have any insight into this, do do you have any thoughts on that particular part? Why is the KYC important for them? Well, I don't think you can be centralized and not do KYC because the regulators are going to come after you. But of course, they're going to come after OneCoin anyhow. If 
the people. Another point, important point to point out here is that OneCoin has stayed away from the U.S. and other jurisdictions that that uh, come down more heavily on Ponzi schemes. And I'd be surprised to see the founders of OneCoin come to the U.S. And if they did, there's a good chance that they'll go to prison or you know, be incarcerated for their crimes. Uh, it's because it's not a blockchain. It's because it's a centralized thing. And if it's a centralized thing and you're dealing with fiat currency, then you do have to do that. Yeah. And let me turn it around and explain why Bitcoin doesn't have to have KYC. So, I mean, a lot of the pieces of Bitcoin have existed for a long time before Bitcoin. Uh, in fact, blockchains, all they're really doing is combining some of the, the hashing technology and the, the way that these transactions are linked to blocks through the Merkle tree. They're, they're combining various technologies and cryptographic signatures, which has been around for a long time, with proof of work. And you know the most important thing about Bitcoin security is the proof of work, which has an incredible amount of hash power decentralized among a lot of actors. And that gives it both immutability, but it also gives it its own form of sovereignty, internet sovereignty, where it can't be regulated because there's no one person you can go knock on their door. Instead, there's a large number of people that are independently building chain. And a blockchain is built one block at a time through through the mining process. And so Bitcoin is a lot of various concepts. And I mean, you can claim to be a permissioned blockchain, but you know, I guess it's important to expand on what makes a, a, a blockchain decentralized and that it's that it has to have proof of work. And again, OneCoin is trying to mirror this in any way they can. And they're trying to muddle the waters and confuse people about this. So again, they claim to have proof of work, but it's all centralized. It's all their mining hash power. And so for them, mining is, again, just it's like these cloud mining scams. And these cloud mining scams come out all the time and part people with their money because they just say, send us your money, we'll mine on your behalf. <laughs> if you want to get into mining, which I don't recommend unless you're very technically savvy, you want to buy the mining equipment yourself and you want to control that hash power yourself most of the time. It's It's always seemed like just regardless of what the environment that we found ourselves in, that cloud mining has almost never been a good choice. You know, and like my, that's that's been true of mining broadly speaking. But the the number of problems with cloud mining relative to even just mining generally is still way, way, way outsized. Yes, it's usually a scam for sure. So another thing that kind of came up, and we talked about this just a little bit earlier, is they do talk about mining, right? And for us, mining is, like you said, this very specific process. But for them, it feels like it's, you know, more just like you give us money and in a while we'll give you back some of our token and that's mining. So, I mean, like, is, the, is there more complexity that I'm missing to it or have they just abstracted it down to like its most purest give us money sense? They have abstracted it down to the give us money phrase, yes. <laughs> okay. And we'll give you tokens. And you can't sell those tokens. You, you can actually sell the tokens to other OneCoin members through their internal transfer. You can, But you can only sell up to $100 a day or something like that. And so what was the value proposition? Is it just you're going to get rich? Or didn't they say that these, these would be used, OneCoin would be used like for merchants to be able to buy things from them or something like that? Or I've heard a lot of different value propositions. So I've heard that they're growing faster than Bitcoin, so they're going to be overtaking Bitcoin. Uh, of course, they claim to have a huge market cap. Obviously, speculation on the price. I've heard people say that they think it's going to be $25 by the end of the year. I've heard people say numbers larger than that. 
I've heard people claim that they have gold in reserves in Dubai, and I don't know if that's an official claim or not. <laughs> oh my God, it's just getting I, more and more ridiculous. But I've heard a lot of weird claims here. Uh, and, and additionally, of course, people have the, the idea that if they get in, then they can get people to join and they get a percentage of that. And of course, that's actually, I think the biggest incentive is that they can make money by getting other people under them. And the more expensive package they buy, the more coins they get and the more rewards they get for the people that they bring in. Uh, and they have these doubling events. In fact, uh, back to something we touched on earlier, they, they're they increasing the coin supply from 800 million, which is what they currently say is issued, to 120 billion. And, and, and the, the, the founder, Ruja, says this will make them bigger than Bitcoin. And I'll say, well, I'll issue a billion shares of my company. That'll make me bigger than Apple. It doesn't do that. Right. It's ridiculous, right? I read that she said something like, well, we're doing this because we don't have enough coins for the merchants to use. But meanwhile, there's not a single merchant that is currently using one coin, right? Correct. Again, another claim that's going around right now in the one coin circles, which I've been told by these big players that are into this, is that Alibaba is about to take one coin. And I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. It just gets more and more. Just just the stuff just piles up. Well, you know, maybe we're wrong and maybe they've got really fantastic business development people just, you know, like pounding down the streets. But it does seem like, you know, at a certain point, this this will become obvious. So everything that's been said here, the obvious analogy or the obvious uh, kind of historical analog is uh, Paycoin, mm. uh, which tried to do a price pegged thing, did a very limited release, attempted to control supply. Uh, we never up- really talked about that on the show, but I, I know a I, lot of our listeners. I think listeners. we did. Did we really not? I swear, I thought we did. We, yeah, I don't. I don't remember. I oh, don't you know what? We, we had uh, Mike on from uh, Coinfire. He was the one who was breaking that nut open at the time. Mm. Uh, we did do an episode with him, but it was it was a while ago. It was before Paycoin blew up. I guess I don't know. Anyways, it was a while ago. Point is, is that it? How how different is this from Paycoin? Where do you see the differences in this relative to that? And is there a better analog out there that I'm missing? Paycoin had a lot of the same red flags. OneCoin is almost a little bit more scammy, and they're definitely targeting OneCoin not as an ICO at the like the crypto market, but they're really targeting it at the non-sophisticated layperson who doesn't know anything about Bitcoin. So I think their marketing strategy is a little different, trying to get their friends and family in. So they had they're like Paycoin with the MLM push it to your friends and family. Mm, they're going in a different niche. Yeah, you know, I I think it's important to point out when we talk about this, if anyone's hearing this show and they're feeling like ashamed because they've invested in it or whatever, or they've been part of other things in the past that have turned out to be a scam, that's not my intention to shame the victims. You know, like there's enough of that that goes on where people get blamed for, for falling for scams. When, I mean, scams are designed to get people to fall for them and you're not the only one who fell for it, right? There's other people who did. I think we've all been fooled at different points in our lives. I know I've been fooled. I've been fooled by romantic partners, right? Who misrepresented themselves and things like that. So the point is not to shame the victims or blame the victims. The point is just to point out the common elements that all these scams have and to hopefully carry that forward into the future and learn from it so that you don't get fooled repeatedly over and over and end up doing, you know, real harm to your life. Exactly. 
And, you know, one important point here is that OneCoin is by no means the only cryptocurrency scam. In fact, if you look at coinmarketcap.com, I would call a lot of these scams in that there is no value for their cryptocurrency. And that doesn't make them an out-and-out scam, right? If they have a, a niche uh, community that wants to use their currency. But a lot of them are marketed in, a, in, a, in very scammy ways. If you look at the top few hundred cryptocurrencies, uh, most of them have market caps well under a million dollars. And it's just the top 21 that have market caps over the 10 million dollar range. Uh, and most of those are contributing some form of unique value. And altcoins, so a lot of people ask me if Bitcoin will ever get replaced by an altcoin. I personally don't think it will because you have the bandwagon effect, you have you know, path dependency, and you have so many different network effects that establish Bitcoin's dominance. But if you look at the altcoins that do have true market value, like Ethereum, like Dash, they're innovating in unique ways. They're adding value to the ecosystem. They're contributing code. They're contributing real solutions to real problems, whether that's smart contracts or whether that's privacy, fungibility, whether that's smart assets. And they're tradable on the free market. You don't have to go to a specific leader and ask for them, you know, and not not be able to trade them and trust someone that they're keeping track of how many are in your account. It's all like publicly out there on the blockchain. There's nobody pulling the strings up top of the pyramid. Yes. And again, on these all these cryptocurrencies and coin market cap, the blockchains are these big data structures, these big files that you can download by running a full node. It will connect to other peer-to-peer -peer clients. It will download that huge ledger onto your computer and you'll be participating. You'll be a peer-to-peer -peer part of those networks. You will have on your hard drive a true and complete copy of all of the proof of work that goes into the blockchains. I mean, I think proof of work is the, the best protocol, but obviously there's some that are proof of stake as well and hybrid concepts, which might have a future. We don't know yet. Uh, but, you know, with all of these, they share some common characteristics. You can get a wallet, you can be a full node. Uh, you can have the blockchain in your computer. You can have the private keys in your possession. You can usually print those private keys out as a paper wallet. You can trade them, like you mentioned, on the various exchanges. You don't have to have permission or KYC to use them. And none of them are going to pay you to sign up your friends and family. If you look at a true cryptocurrency, it is just a distributed ledger system with proof of work to keep people honest and prevent this rewriting of history, which is the, the true purpose for proof of work. It's to prevent the double spend attack, uh, which is basically a fancy way to say rewriting history, right? And so that's where Bitcoin stands out as having the, the most mining hash power, giving it the most secure blockchain, which would be incredibly difficult to double spend attack. And that's where Bitcoin is has become the reserve currency of cryptocurrencies. In fact, if there's there's probably four or five hundred altcoins listed on CoinMarketCap.com, but that's by no means the extent of the altcoin market. There's hundreds of them released monthly, it seems, on Bitcoin Talk altcoin threads, uh, and so the ones listed here are just the ones that managed to keep any kind of a market cap. So I'll, there's a lot of pump and dumps. Altcoin market is very much a wild west. It's very useful in the fact that it brings us new features. It lets us see how good various development teams are. We can look at these open source repositories and get a, you know, an idea of what code works, what code doesn't work. We can look at their market caps and get an idea of what features the market wants and values. We can tell that the market values smart contracts because Ethereum has a you know 935 million market cap. We know that's extremely valuable functionality. Therefore, you'll have teams like Rootstock uh, and Counterparty try to 
integrate smart contract functionality into Bitcoin. Anything that proves very valuable, very stable, very secure, and very useful in the altcoin world will eventually uh, find its way into something that ties into the main chain, in my opinion. And that's kind of a Bitcoin maximalist position, but it's more like I see Bitcoin as like the truth protocol on the internet. It's just this one giant ledger that gives us one place to check where ownership lies or where control lies. And so, you know, you can build all kinds of additional layers on top of that. You can extract and extrapolate and expand upon that. And you can give people side chains and lightning network and all of these various layers that'll connect any of the features you could imagine to the main chain. And so, you know, we're seeing this happen. We're seeing Rootstock get very close right now to going live with all of the features that Ethereum smart contracts have. So it's it's an, it's an exciting new world, but in many ways, it's like the internet versus intranet. And Bitcoin has become the internet of money. And all of these altcoins, they're, they're kind of more like intranets of money because there's only a very small portion of the economy that can speak that language of value. Yeah. I mean, you said this is a Bitcoin maximalist position you're taking, but I don't know. I kind of think of that term as sort of a, a derogatory term to people who are perceived as being not open to anything except Bitcoin when it comes to altcoins or something like that. You know, I, I don't think you're taking that position. I don't, I don't think you're closed minded or anything. You just know that Bitcoin has stood the test of time and ha- for all these reasons that you listed is the truth protocol, like you called it. And if anything else doesn't stack up to that in multiple areas, it has to be really questioned and some healthy skepticism is well deserved. I think the best analogy here is language. Like We live in a world where every country has their own currency. It's like global fragmentation of languages for value transfer. Because I mean, money is really just the language of value. It's how much we value something. Right now, if you want to send money from one part of Africa to one part of Europe, it might convert currencies once, maybe even twice on that journey. And you're basically trying to translate value from one language to another language. It's, it's a very communal thing. And part of the value proposition in Bitcoin is that it gives us this universal language for value that you can speak with any other person on the planet. You see the emergence of various layers that depend on a single unit of value like Open Bazaar, um, where it, it's incredibly valuable as a global marketplace because of it has one unique lang- language for value that's spoken by everyone on the platform. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Bitcoin. Content for today's show was provided by Zach, Stephanie, and Adam. Today's music was provided by Jared Rubens. And this episode was edited by Matthew Zipkin. The magic word for today's episode is BIT. That's B-I-T. BIT. Head over to letstalkbitcoin.com to enter it for your share of the listener rewards. Quick update. Tokenly is going to be entering testing with a couple of our products over the next few weeks. If you're interested in testing our multi-sig wallet or some of our other projects we have uh, coming up, visit tokenly.com and leave your email address at the bottom of the page. Or email me directly at adamandtokenly.com. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Next week, we'll hear from John Radcliffe on the path forward with scaling and why he thinks Core is on the right path towards a better Bitcoin future for all. See you next time.